Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a cracking episode. This week, we are joined by Jeff Bajorek. He is the co-host of the Why and the Buy podcast. It is a fantastic podcast that I've been listening to for some time, so I'm really honored and privileged that Jeff's decided to join us on this episode. Why did I ask Jeff um, to come on as a guest on our podcast? Well, I met Jeff at at a conference earlier this year called Outbound, the biggest and the baddest conference in the world, or sales conference, I should say. And it was awesome because we we hit it off, you know, I was, was talking to him, I said, hey man, I love your podcast, and and yeah, we just started speaking about everything to do with sales and, you know, learning and, and training, and it was absolutely awesome. It's really interesting because our energy levels are quite different, and you'll hear that during the episode. Um, Jeff's very much, you know, he's a bit more pragmatic in his thinking, a bit more sort of not as intense and and, and out of control as me. So it was really interesting the fact that we built such great rapport um, when we met, and you know that's because we share some 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 very common interests. So this is a great episode, and what we talk about, we talk about the learning. And, you know, the investment that's required to help ourselves be the best we can be. And that, you know, during our journey or during the journey of selling, you know, how important that learning is and how we must continue to learn and develop our mindset to become a high-performing sales professional. So this is going to be a very exciting, very engaging episode and one where you'll take a lot of great gold nuggets out that you can apply immediately. Before we get into it, loving the messages. I got an absolute cracking message last week from a gentleman who said that he was about to quit the profession. And the episode that he listened to has helped inspire him to continue. Now that for me, you know, if we had no listeners or one listener and we made an impact, sure, it'd be a lot of work for one, but that is brilliant. The fact that we've been able to inspire someone to keep going, because that perseverance, we all get that in sales, we get to the point where we feel like giving up, that the deal that we've been working on for so long, it's in the bag, bang, it crashes, the worst feeling in the world, and so the fact that, you know, the show is resonating and has that impact makes me feel fantastic, so I want to say thank you to everyone that enjoys our episodes and that are applying some of the concepts that we're talking about because that's why I do what I do. I want to help people be the best they can be. So continue to share those messages with me, and I'll start to you know share some of those messages with our listeners. Um, you know, once I get permission, but uh, and also re- review us, rate us, share these episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. So enjoy the episode. Buckle up. And, you know, I just want to say before we get into this show with Jeff, remember, you are brilliant at what you do, and the fact that you're listening to this means you're already in that top 1%. So enjoy the episode uh, with Jeff. Welcome to the show, Jeff. 
How are you going, Luigi? Yeah, fantastic, man. It's uh, it's been long time um, getting us to connect and uh, finally have you on the show. Well, I I really enjoyed meeting you at Outbound in Atlanta this spring, and I met a bunch of people from Australia, and I picked up uh, some some sayings. Right, like we say, "How are you doing here?" And, and you guys look at us like, "What do you mean? How you doing? <laughs> you mean how you going?" Yeah, and I'm like, "No, I like that better because no one says that up here, so that's cool." And then the other thing, and I've heard you say it a bunch of times, I hope this episode is cracking. Yeah, like that just I get fired up every time I hear, "Oh, it's gonna be cracking." I'm like, "Yeah, I gotta I gotta find a way to." implement that yeah and i love how uh, when i come to america they've got you got this you know like or um <laughs> this is how you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so man thanks so much i'm uh, pretty pumped to have you um you know and for those listeners that might not know who you are you're a man that's done over or you, yourself and your and your co-host but your co-host um the why and the buy podcast which is now over 200 episodes i think Oh yeah, well over two hundred episodes. I think we're two twenty, closing in on two twenty right now at the time of recording. Um, I think Fantastic. we stopped numbering them. Yeah, <laughs> iTunes wanted us to stop numbering them, so I have it all recorded right when we share our, our data. But yeah, no, it's it's a lot. How about yeah. that? Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, fantastic. And and tell us, like, what inspired you to start a podcast? Well. Christy and I met at a seminar. We were actually in Jeffrey Gittimer's office. We met at a seminar and we connected. We were both in similar positions with our businesses at the time. I was about a year ahead of hers and we were moral support for one another, right? I mean, what we learned was that small businesses at some point or another go through a similar life cycle. And she has a ton of experience from a management perspective. And I had a little bit more experience with her getting my business off the ground. So we were able to help each other in a lot of different ways. And we would get on the phone once a month or so and just to check in, just to help each other out. How are things going? And we'd have these really long, really good conversations. And sometimes I'd be crying on her shoulder. Sometimes she'd be crying on my shoulder. And one of the things came up one day that I write. I've disciplined myself to write on a regular basis. And Christy had a hard time doing that. And she said, but I feel like in conversation, this stuff kind of comes out of me. I, I, I feel like it's in there. I just writer's block, whatever it is. And I said, well, Christy. It could have been me, it could have been her. I don't want to take credit away from her, but um, one of us said, hey, why don't we just press record on these conversations because we are not the only ones having them and maybe we can help some other people. And so we started having these conversations more often, like weekly, and uh, we pressed record and we learned a ton (laughs) because we started from scratch on our own, you know, went online and took uh, an online course and and this is how you do a podcast and we bought microphones and apps for the computer and we used Dropbox and just kind of mixed everything together. Um, So it's been a learning experience and our show, it's funny. I, I, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about the growth and the process and what you've learned over a a couple of hundred episodes. Um, Man, I have a hard time going back and listening to the first handful of episodes because what our show sounds like today is night and day different from what it sounded like uh well two and a half years ago okay so i've got i've got a bit of uh stuff to look forward to i'm at the start of my journey jeff so when i when i go back in a year and listen i'll i should be surprised your show is light years ahead of where (laughs) ours was at the place where you're at right now oh there's no question about that 
Yeah, fantastic, man. So, um, and how, like, you know, this this wonderful world that we live in called sales, how did you get started in this? Reluctantly, against my better judgment, <laughs> um, kicking and screaming. Um, kind of an interesting situation. I, I My degree's in medicine, athletic medicine, actually. And so I was one of those guys that you see on the sidelines, um, wow. taping ankles and evaluating injuries and, and things. So I worked in a hospital system. Yep. And um, I decided in November, geez, this would have been November 2003, I said, I'm not coming back. I, I, would, I had a commitment to a high school and I am... Uh, I'm going to fulfill that commitment for the year because I've got athletes that are relying on me. I'm not going to leave them hanging, but I'm not going to start football season again in the fall. And so, you know, time comes, they needed a letter of resignation from me in May. And I said, okay, well, here's your letter because they needed to post the position so they could hire. So it was announced that I turned in my resignation, but it, really interesting most people give two weeks, maybe four weeks, depending on the profession that you're in. Yep. I gave them four months, not because like I just wanted to be, I mean, I, I didn't have a place to go, right? I mean, I, I knew I was going to fulfill my commitment. It wasn't time for me to look for a new job yet because I couldn't start anywhere right away. But I was making my intention known that I wasn't going to return for another season at the school. So I had this really interesting period of time where I didn't need to look for a job yet, but I knew I was quitting the one that I had. Yeah. And um, so there was a lady that sat right next to me and she said, you should get into sales. And I said, uh, Rose, I don't think you know who I am. I mean, <laughs> we've worked together three years, but I'm not that guy. And we just had another colleague of ours leave and take a sales position. And she said, no, I've got the gig for you. I think you'll do great. I got you an interview and I told them you could sell ice to an Eskimo. And I said, and I, I think that statement now may or may not be, well, I'm sure it probably it, if it's not politically correct now, it yeah. certainly wasn't 15 years ago. We just didn't know. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, I said, well, uh, thanks. So I, I took the interview. I had no reason not to take the interview. Yep. And so we went through this interview. Was kind of this interview process was kind of drawn out because the guy interviewing me knew that I didn't need to make a move right away. Yep. And they finally offered me a job, and he said, "Jeff, I said, as he offered me the job, I said Ken because that was his name. I don't know if I'm your guy." I, I, thank you for offering me this job. I'm interested, but I'm nervous. Like I don't know anything about business. That's not where I came up. I'm not. I, I don't think I have what you need. And he said, "Well, let me respond to that. I can teach you the business process." He said, "What I know about you is that you work hard. You're a good person. You speak the language. Yep. And oh, the people you already work with, who will be your customers." I already asked them about you and they said to hire you in an instant. He's like, Jeff, I can teach you the rest. I just need you to commit. Yep. And I said, well, okay. And that changed my perspective right away. It didn't change it enough as it, as it would, would uh, bear out, but it changed my perspective right away. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to give this a year. And if I hate it, I can go back to clinical work. I'm really good at what I do that. We just had some research published. Like I was having fun. I just, I, this was an interesting opportunity and I was willing to take the risk and that willing to take the risk part. Yeah. And I don't even consider myself a very risk, much of a risk taker. But, um, as it, as I look back on my career, that willingness to take those small calculated risks has paid off tremendously for me. Um, I still had this, I guess I would call it, um, this, this idea in my head of what selling was 
and I didn't like it, yep. but I was told that I could do it. And I made it almost 11 months uh, before I was ready to quit. I gave myself a year. We're getting 10 and a half, 11 months. And I'm like, man, maybe this isn't for me because I was trying to do it like I thought someone else would have me do it. Not instead of, or I'm sorry, instead of the way selling actually comes very intuitively to me. Yeah. So can you go back just a step, Jeff? Like, Sure. Because I, I ask this question a lot of um, sales professionals that I that I engage with before we get into any sort of program. You mentioned that you had this view on what sales, you know, what sales was or what sales is. What was that view? Well, I had never really had good experiences with salespeople, so yeah. I fell into the same stereotypes that you can find on a Google image search <laughs> for sales guy. Yeah. And nothing about that kind of, uh, nothing about the, uh, nothing about the way that guy treats people <laughs> resonates with me. Yeah. Okay. So I just, I was out there, I was in front of regular clients, you know, selling is service, service is selling. Okay. Let's make sure they got what they need. And, um, okay, let's buy a bunch of lunches and, and put food in front of people and see what happens. Let's create conversations and, oh, you got to ask questions. Okay. Let's ask questions. And, you know, it's like, man, I just wasn't getting anywhere. And I had, uh, you know, I picked up a pretty solid recurring book of business at a big territory. Um, it was good. Um, but I, for, the better part of a year had no idea what would move the needle. And I didn't get a ton of training. I didn't get a ton of knowledge. I didn't get a ton of mentorship, right? The guy who hired me, who said he could, uh, he could, could, he could show me the ropes. His, he'd said the, the day that um, I showed up on my first day, he said, okay, now I'm not the guy. Okay. My partner is the guy. Okay. So yeah. I kind of run the business. He kind of brings people along. Well, uh, day two of my job, that, that guy, the other guy quit. <laughs> so not only was the guy who admittedly wasn't the guy to show me the ropes. Now he was in a position where he had to be the guy to show me the ropes and he had to work on the dissolution of his own business. So there were a ton of distractions. It's not his fault. Right. Yeah. But just that was the situation I came into. And, um, so I was kind of, you know, out there on a raft uh, without a rudder or any sails for a while. And that didn't sit well with me. And then I finally found that, right? I, I picked up the the little red book of selling. Yeah. Um, someone recommended it to me. And, and that was the first book that I read. Actually, this is funny. I didn't read that book. I, I bought that book probably five times before I read it because I'd get <laughs> a part of the way through it and I'd give it to somebody. Yeah. I'm like, no, you got to see this. So the sales Bible is the first Jeffrey Gittimer book I actually got all the way through front to back. But, yeah. um, and, and someone joined our organization who became a mentor for me. He had the time to be able to invest in me. And um, I learned how to sell by going on sales calls and having really two very vocal influences to, to convince me or to um, encourage me that, no, look, there's not a way to do this. There are things that need to be done. And when you can identify the things that need to be done, you can do them any way you want. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that takes us to this social selling, you know, the phone is dead, long live the phone, uh, do everything on Twitter, now Snapchats, now this next thing is the latest thing. You got to be on yeah. the internet all the time. It's like, <laughs> well, no, you don't. You got to accomplish these steps in the sales process, right? Yeah. You need to identify who you can help. You need to be visible. Okay. Um, are you visible because they find you on Twitter? Or are they? Are you visible because you picked up the phone and, and called them? It doesn't matter, yeah. right? The visibility is the part. The method doesn't matter. And um, 
So when I learned that the principles were there and I could execute those principles however I want, Luigi, you and I sell in a lot of ways very similarly because we understand those principles. However, you say words that I would never say in a, in a sales call and yeah. I say words that you would never say on a sales call. And that is the beautiful part about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love this because regardless where you find the prospect, it's the actual the conversation that needs to be had that helps that customer through the buying process. And this is where I think, and this is one of the things that makes, you know, that I'm so passionate about is helping people really understand, well, what is A, our role as a sales professional? Like what are those characteristics that we need to exhibit to help our customers achieve a better outcome? And B, what what's that process need to look like so that I can, A, understand exactly what that customer is trying to achieve and to some extent understand, help them un- determine what they don't necessarily know. Um, and this is where I think the message is getting lost in the, in, in the, in, in the, in the, in the world of, of selling is that, you know, those principles um, that to some extent haven't changed for, you know, for <laughs> forever, right? Those principles about understanding, building relationships, asking the relevant questions, Getting in there um, is, is what we need to focus on. So when you had that aha about the principles, how did you go about refining and developing those skills so that you could be, um, you know, you could be the best you could be? Before I answer that question, I want to point out, I, I love what you said. What's the conversation that needs to be had? Because there are a lot of sales professionals who are having conversations. Yeah. They're having the conversations they know they can have. They are not necessarily the conversations that need Absolutely. to be had. Yeah. That is gold. I wrote it down. That's oh, thanks, gold. Man. That, that's going to show up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and, and just on that, right, like I, I, I'm proud to say that you know, I'm a, I'm a student of, of, of the craft, right? And I'm proud to say that I'm not just going to tell a customer what they want to hear. If oh, I right. truly believe that they, you know, that it's, it's my responsibility to help them. If I've got insight that I can provide and say, hey, you know, this is why we, you should do this or, you know, this is my recommendation and this is the reason I'm making this recommendation. And they said, I want to do it this way. If, if I truly feel it's not going to benefit them, then I'm not a yes man. I'm not that yes salesperson that goes, I need the deal. I'm just going to tell you what you need to hear, right? And that's the difference right. between just having that conversation and, and being the guy that says yes to get the deal versus going, well, actually, my role is to help you achieve a better state. Well, it's funny. when you, I've told people before, like, I don't want to sell this to you. Wait, what? <laughs> you came in here and presented this? Yeah, yeah I know, but... <laughs> I, I, look, I, I've, said, I've said this flat out. I'm like, look, if you want to buy it, I will take your money. I just, I don't think this is going to solve the problem <laughs> right. that you wanted to solve. So yeah. listen, I, I'm not going to turn it down, but I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I don't think this is the right thing. And um, they, I mean, they, they look at you a little weird, but then all of a sudden, you know, and it's, it's not, you can't be so trite as to say, well, just tell them that you don't want to sell it to them and then they're going to know that you're for real and then they're going to buy everything from you after that. No, you can't make up a situation, right? It's not yeah. a line that you can just deliver. Again, there's a principle behind that. It's not a script. But um, when you can look at someone and evaluate their needs and assess what is going to help them, if your solution is not the thing that's going to help them, then you have to be upfront about it. You have a responsibility to be upfront with it. Okay. I teach a lot out of, um, 
Stephen Covey, right? I go back yeah. to the seven habits of highly effective people. And, you know, you go to habit number four, think win-win. Anything that is not win-win on a long enough timeline becomes lose-lose. Yep. If it's good for me but not good for you, you're going to find out eventually. Mm-hmm. If it's good for you and not for me, I'm going to be upset eventually. And on a long enough timeline, we're, one of us is going to be out, right? Because yep. it takes two people to be involved in a relationship and there has to be a win in it for both people. But when you, you get back to the principles, when, when did I understand? I, I, I saw it work. I started seeing things work. I started, you know, having a mentor to to go on sales calls with me. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. It it sounds a little weird, but I learned the most I've ever learned about selling while drinking beer because (laughs) it, it didn't have anything to do with the beer. It was the conversations over the beer, just like selling doesn't have anything to do with the dinner or the restaurant. You take someone, it has everything to do with the conversations you have while you're eating. But I would go on sales calls, my, my mentor, my partner, my friend, we'd go on sales calls together. And then it's like, all right, you, you ready to grab a beer? We'd go grab a beer. Sometimes it'd be two, sometimes it'd be four, yep. but we would break down everything that happened during the day. Yep. And it was, all right, let's go to this. What happened when you said this? What happened when he said this? Did you see the way he leaned in when you said this word? Did you see the way that he was visibly turned off when you used that word? Don't use that word ever, ever. Again, what is next? What do we want to do down the road? What are you going to do to set up the meetings before I come back into town with you? What I have, you know, it was a constant, like a pipeline review and mentoring and coaching all in the same time. And all, and I wasn't even buying the beer. That was the great thing too. He bought the beers. (laughs) So it was like, that was where I started to think pragmatically through things. What needs to happen? Luigi, what is the conversation that needs to be had? Yeah, absolutely. We had a laundry list of features that we could talk about. And some of those features, when we started a conversation about them, it was a dead end. It was a rabbit hole that could go for three sales meetings, but we could have that conversation. It could be a customer misdirecting us because he really didn't want our solution, but he didn't want to tell us no either. So let's go down this rabbit hole. This will stall the process for three months because they're going to keep talking about these silly fringe benefits that really aren't even differentiators, but I'm going to start asking them questions that they're going to do research to go and answer. And, you know, it's, it's, there's, it can be so complicated out there. If you understand what really needs to happen and can guide the conversation along those lines, salespeople will be so much more effective. They'll make so much more of an impact. And, but that requires active thinking that requires reevaluation that requires, you know, beer sometimes, right? It's, it's not just this rote process that you can follow. I can't script my next 10 sales calls. I can't script my next two sales calls because based on what happens tomorrow, that is going to impact how my call next week goes. But I can't plan next week until I know how tomorrow goes. And a lot of salespeople are afraid of that. They don't like to think. And you're so right. And I, I like to, you know, I came and, and I think, um, you know, you've come from a you know, educated, very pragmatic, um, very calculated. I let emotion mm-hmm. run my sales process early on in my career. I used to mm-hmm. go gut feel, emotion, and yeah, I used to great get some great outcomes. I used to get some really poor outcomes. I used to build great relationships. I used to get really poor relationships, right? Because I was a high eye or very extrovert and not very much. Not, mm-hmm. not detail wasn't my friend. 
And so the okay. analytical buyers, we used to not get on because <laughs> what they needed to feel comfortable through the buying process, I wasn't giving them, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that didn't make me a bad salesperson um, because I was getting some great deals across the line. But when I decided that one of the principles that I needed to follow was I need to adapt my style because this particular quadrant of you know this social style is a very important buyer. And as I get bigger and bigger sales and more strategic sales, I'm engaging with them more and more. And they're actually the ones that are going to stop my deals if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. So, and then why do I talk about this is because I think, you know, the fact that we can let emotion, we can let, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I know exactly what to do. And, and what I've tried to do in my career is go, right, what are the elements that are predictable? What are the elements that are repeatable? What are the skills that I can master within those or, you know, really refine? And then what's the area that I'm going to go, well, you know what, I'm going to have to get in there and use my skills to adapt during that process. And that's what I love about what you just said is going, there's going to, there's going to be a point where I can break down, learn, repeat, but there's going to be a point where I'm just going to have to get in there and work through it with the skills that I've developed. Um, can you share with us sort of some of the principles that you think that you've learned you know, that have made you, you know, what, such a success that and so to, to achieve some of the results that you've achieved? The, the biggest fundamental for me um, came right out of uh, the Little Red Book of Selling. People yep. don't like to be sold, but they love to Do buy. It. Yeah, we love that. So figure out why people buy. Don't Look, I know you got something to sell. But it's it's this thing: sell nuts to squirrels. Stop trying to convince dolphins that dol- that nuts are delicious, right? Like yeah. you can't make someone buy who has no reason to buy from you, yeah. right? So let's uncover what their motives would be. That opens up the door and opens up the path to um, how can I help you, right? How can I help people? It's and and so not only are you working with the right psychology. Right. But now it also gets rid of that um, that superstition that salespeople are just trying to twist your arm yeah. to make you do something that you don't want to do. I've tried to I've worked very hard to try to eliminate the word convince from my vocabulary yeah. because it, there's a terrible annotation that goes along with that. What you um, and even persuade with what, that convince persuade. Yeah. You know, I hate that. I'm like, my role is not to persuade you. My role is to help you determine and understand and see the value in what we're talking about. You know, I hate yes. those words. And, and you know, I mean, uh, persuasion and convince, they're very closely related. Persuasion yeah. is something that is it's legitimate. I mean, black and white, it happens. Like you want to be persuasive, but the connotation, not the annotation, the connotation of that word is something that's like, wait a second. I didn't want to until you made me and now you yeah. did this to me, not with me. Absolutely. And that is th- – that I, I think you know, when you can unlock how you can help people because you understand why they would buy from you and you also understand why they wouldn't buy from you, I mean that – one of the biggest things that I help clients with is understanding some of the people that they want to sell to that they really don't want to sell to. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait a second. There's, they have a ton of money and they could buy our stuff and they, yes, they could, but why would they? Absolutely. Yep. Oh, well, um, you know, and it, and it's, so when you, when you, when you think about that and when you think about, there's no real legitimate reason why they would buy from you. And this is different from uh, the dream client, right? Who you just need to pursue for a long time. Like, you know why they would buy from you. They just don't know why they would buy from you. Yeah. When this prospect that you're looking at, that you may even have access to, when you see 
that they have no real legitimate reason to buy from you other than the fact that they meet your your ideal customer profile, right? Maybe they are you know, so tied up in your competitor's solution and consultants or they're, they're, they share the intellectual property or, or whatever it is. Like they may compliment you. Some of those, are, I've had great conversations with some of those um, clients or some of those prospects because they're so secure in their ability to not have to buy from you that they're willing to actually talk to you. I mean, think about that for yeah. a second. Like some of the people you're calling on, you're seeing huge dollar signs and they are literally inviting you in because they know they will never buy and you're spending a ton of time with them. Hmm. The idea that I was in sales and helped me um, start to believe that sales was a service role and a, and, a, and a helping role. And it also helps you identify the right targets. Yeah. I mean, that one principle right there. Um, the, the other principle is uh, if you cannot differentiate, you cannot sell. Yep. You, you and and those are my words that I put it. Lee Sauls wrote a great book called Sales Differentiation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot. I mean, it, what is better? Better is subjective. Luigi, you and I. Well, you live in Australia. I live in America. So chances are we don't drive <laughs> the same kind of car. But the you know what I mean. It's like I drive a different car than my wife does. The best car for her was not the best car for me. The the best car for my neighbors not the best car for me. So what's best? It's subjective. But. I can't argue subjectivity with you because you're entitled to your opinion. You make your own decisions for your own reasons. However, I can talk about differences because differences are objective. They're black and white. You can see that my car is different from my wife's. My car is different from my neighbor's. And we can talk about those differences. If we talk about those differences in the right way, you will see if the differences I'm talking about are going to be better or not for you. But you make that decision, not me. Yeah, It's up to me to talk about those decisions and frame, I'm sorry, those differences and frame those differences in a way that I know is going to shed positive light on them to you. And I am encouraging you to look at things a little bit differently, to think about things a little bit differently and to decide for yourself. Yeah. That, that to me is, is those are the two I think that are, that are big and that opens up the, really the first half of the sales process and what do you bring to the table that nobody else does and who can you help? So who should you be talking to? Right. And, um, when you, you put the, if you cannot differentiate, you cannot sell. And when you put the mm. people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy together. I mean, you've There's really got a good principles. start. So just to repeat, you've got the principle of it's got to be win-win, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the people don't want to be sold, they want to buy. So it's a very simple principle, right. the, the motivation behind that, and then also the principle to differentiate. And there's some key principles that you use every day in your life, in your business, and in your training and coaching others. I think the biggest principle that I use in my life, and I'll go back to Covey, is be proactive and, and take responsibility. Yeah. Um, you said it earlier, right? What's the conversation that needs to be had? Um, it's, it's not, what's the conversation that I feel like I need to have. It's what are you taking ownership over the outcome or are you just taking responsibility for a task list? Yeah. So when I think about it and it's funny, this is funny. I'll have this conversation with my kids sometimes. <laughs> they're, um, they're eight and almost 10. I don't know when this is going to air, but my daughter turns 10 in, in a month. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, eat lunch or something together and I'll say all right great thanks pick up your stuff and and wipe down the table so they'll go wipe down the table and 
you know, since my daughter's nine, the table will still be dirty, right? <laughs> so I'll say, um, Gator, you need to you need to wipe the table down. Well, Dad, I did. I said, I'm not going to argue with. It. I saw you do it. I know you did. What I'm telling you is that it still needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's it's like again, I know you wiped down the table, but the fact of the matter is, this table the table still has crumbs on it. Like you you, I don't care what it is that you need to do. <laughs> yeah. My my stepson is a little older. He's 22. And we would do the same thing. I need you to cut the grass. Well, that, hey, Jeff, I cut the grass. Yeah, I know you cut the grass, but there's a lot of grass that still needs to be cut. Can you cut that grass too? And, you know, of course, he didn't like it because, you know, when you're a teenager, you have a completely different take on things when your parents say something to you. But, like, that – and that plays itself out over and over and over again. I know you did it, but does, but it still needs to be done, right? Did you just carry out the task or did you take ownership over the outcome? And, and did you get the job done, right? I needed to hit a number, you know? Okay, great. Well, did I make my sales calls? Yeah, I made sales yeah. calls until I hit my number, until I hit, you know, uh, um, exceeded my number. You, you know, you, you can't look at a sales salesperson and say, hey, I need you to hit this number. Well, I made all my calls. They just didn't buy. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you yeah, keep no going. kidding. Yeah, that's right. Right. And this is something like, I'm so glad you brought this up because, I, you know, um, I myself, my daughter's you know, 16 turning 17, my son's 13. and You know, one of the things that I've constantly said to them is just take responsibility for your actions. Positive mm-hmm. or negative, own it. You know, my son yeah. came home today, he got in trouble and he's had, you know, keeps getting in a bit of mischief at school and... And I said to him, um, "Take responsibility." And he and he said, "But you know," and he, and he came up. Well, the teachers didn't do it for that person. And I said, "Well, we're not taking responsibility. You can't control how they talk right. to the other kid. You got to take responsibility. Right. Own it. If you own it, we ain't, I ain't gonna. There's not gonna be no consequence, right? And I, I'm big on that whole law. I you know try to say, hey, if if this happens, then you know that there has to be a consequence. We have got to learn through our mistakes, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not that I'll ever love them less, but either, you know, and, and whether it's right or wrong, um, I try to, you know, you kind of adapt your parenting style as, as the kids get older. Oh, but, for sure. You have to. Yeah. But well, even, that's taking responsibility, right? Absolutely, right? And, and I had the same yeah. thing with a sales guy and I had that chat with him. I had it today, Jeff. It was an interesting chat where, you know, I could see that he was really struggling from a mindset perspective. So I flipped it and I just said, you know, what, what, what would you do in the, in the, in the reverse? How would you coach somebody in this same position? When you look at the metrics, the metrics don't lie. The activity level's not there. Right. The outcome's not there. And you're telling me every reason that are sitting outside of your circle of influence. And for me, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things as a sales professional is, is, is that I can, I love the fact that you brought that out is, mate, the leads are crap. I haven't got enough. He said, no, this environment, this is why we get paid what we get paid. And when things are down, we've got to own it, take responsibility and be accountable that we're going to do things different, right? Because we need to get the Mm -hmm. outcome. So it's really interesting you bring that up. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Oh, no, for sure. And it, it, it manifests itself in, in so many ways. You know, the leads are crap. Marketing hasn't given me enough leads. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. Well, okay, does marketing have a number to hit? I, look, I, that's great. 
But if the marketing sends you leads, then that's gravy, man. What are you doing in your own territory to create opportunities for yourself? Because yes. marketing doesn't get the bonus if you hit your number. <laughs> That's right. They're not the right. ones getting the outrageous commission checks. You know what I mean? Like I said, Whoa. say that to salespeople all the time. Like you get paid more than doctors. You know what I mean? Just oh. to, to get out there and, and sell. And never mind that marketing doesn't get fired when you don't hit your number <laughs> three right. months in a row. So let, who are we trying to connect with the ownership over this result here? And with all the options that are out there, we can argue the best one. I think we're wasting time arguing yep. because there's, you know, there, there's an ex there's a reason that the argument happens is because everybody has had their own personal experience with it working. Mm -hmm. So instead of arguing the best, why don't we just recognize that everybody's had their own personal experience with <laughs> this stuff working, and maybe someone's doing something that you're not, and it works too. Yeah, let's get the ego out of it. Let's yeah. focus on those things that we can control. Let's get back to the principles of, hey, listen, what's the conversation that needs to be had? Okay, now what's the best way to have that conversation? Let's get out of these ruts. Let's get out of these routines. Let's get out of these, you know, uh, uh, these processes that are just so rote and ingrained that they're actually boring and you don't like them anyway. Listen, thought can be stimulating if you will allow yourself indulge yourself in the creativity of thinking, huh, yeah. how can I approach this differently so that I might get an outcome that is more favorable next time? Yeah. But I don't want to sit still. I got too many things to do. Like there, there's so much that, that goes into the mindfulness of the decision-making process and a Socratic approach of why does that work? Why did it work? Why wouldn't it work? Why won't it work next time? And what will? Those yeah. are the questions that you need to ask yourself all the time. And salespeople are too busy to do the work that they need to do to actually be effective. And um, I don't think it's that complicated. I, 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 you've done this, Luigi. You sit down and you ask a few questions like that of a client or a prospect, and they can't answer them. Yeah. And they're simple questions. And you almost feel bad for asking them, except you feel bad for asking them because you know that they're going to feel stupid about their, abil their inability to ask them or to answer them. But the um, the flip of that is you recognize that your job as a leader is to ask yeah. those simple questions that have compl that have <laughs> they don't even have complicated answers they have simple they're simple questions that have simple answers that are very difficult to come up with but that's where your money's made man Absolutely. that's where you know, when you can execute the basics that way man that's all you need to do that's all you need to do is understand those principles and when you can put those to work it is unbelievable the kind of results and the transformation you can see and see this is awesome and these are these these things that you talk about right like these questions that we should be asking you know our, our, our people or our customers this principle that you just spoke about the principle to reflect that you know the the to look back at what why did they buy right what were you know what were the steps that made a difference to that customer or okay, why didn't they buy? You know, or right. I'm in the cycle and I'm stopping. I'm going, okay, you know, I'm doing one at the moment, a pipeline review with some pretty, you know, strategic accounts. And the question I put in there for the sales guys, the top seven sales guys, is what will influence the customer to buy? And what influence will your contact mm -hmm. have on the sale? Because mm -hmm. sometimes we we're in it and we're so deep in it that we don't step out of it and actually ask ourselves those really fundamental questions that, 
you know, sometimes you've got to ask yourself and go, actually, you know what? I'm too connected to this. I'm too emotional to this. Or I'm not thinking. I'm going down this path where actually I'm spending too much time with a person that ain't going to make that decision. But because I've got a, right. he, I've got built that relationship and I'm, I've got a solid, you know, he's solid, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we've all been there, you know. We've invested so much time in a, in a person we think is going to help us get the deal done, but they just become the blocker. They become the barrier. Yep, and and they don't even mean to become the barrier. Yeah. Sometimes they just like having people pay attention to them, and <laughs> they know that they can't help you, but they like you, and they want to feel like they can try to help you, and uh, you keep going back there because it's a safe place to land. Absolutely, and everybody yeah. wants to feel important. You know, that's what I love about Dale Carnegie's mm-hmm. book. You know, everybody everybody should feel like they have value to add. And they have value to mm-hmm. add and they want to be listened to. And so that's the risk that we take. And that's what I love about, you know, what you just discussed, you know, I've just wrote that down as a principle, the principle to reflect. So this has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask, I ask every guest this question and mm-hmm. I'm on a mission when I ask this question. When it comes to sales, do you think salespeople are born or made? Ooh. Both. Both. How's, how's that for a cop out <laughs> answer? Come on, man. Um, it's, not, it's not the politics. So, you're a politician. <laughs> oh, God. Don't, tell, don't call me that. Um, I, I think, I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a third alternative here. I think salespeople are discovered. Discovered. That's good. I actually, I, I've never heard that before. I, um, and I'm, only, I'm, I'm just going to kind of, uh, I'll direct people back to the beginning of this podcast. Um, for my answer about how I got into sales. Um, I think that in, in some respects I was made because I had someone show me how to do it. Yeah. But in other respects I was born because what that mentor showed me, he opened up my willingness and he opened up, he showed me the possibilities of what could happen if I allowed my natural gifts to display themselves. Um, I've worked, I'm, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. So I yeah. work very hard to be extroverted when I need to be. Um, so there's a made kind of a component to that. Yeah. But intuitively, I'm reflective. Intuitively, um, I like people. Intuitively, I seek to help and to serve. So part of that, I'm born with. And yeah. I think if you're not born, if you're born so selfish and self-absorbed that you can't literally help other people, well, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. However, if you can take that to the extreme, you're so selfish that you're in it for yourself to the point where you're going to learn out how learn about how to fool someone into believing that it's really for them, right? And you can trick yourself into thinking that you're doing it for yourself when you're really helping other people. I mean, I, I think the reason that that's such a good question is because there's so many ways you can answer it, and it depends on how you look at it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna screw your entire poll over <laughs> right here, and I'm gonna say that I think salespeople are discovered. Either yeah. someone recognizes some talents in somebody, yeah. and then gives them the resources to bring those talents out, or um, someone recognizes talents in themselves and works really really hard to develop those talents. Um, there is certainly an improvement process. I don't think anybody's really good out of the box, but I think there are some raw materials there that need to be worked with. I think there are more raw materials than we realize because, yeah, man, uh, I'm going to say they're discovered because I think that I think there's a very small portion of the population that can't be in sales. Yeah. 
So, because I think with so many people and so many different ways to relate to so many people, I don't think there's one way to do it. So you don't have to make someone one thing. So I'm going to say they're discovered, but I'm going to lean for the purposes of your poll toward people, salespeople are born. (laughs) Thank you for that. You know, and that's really thoughtful. Is that brief Um, enough? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really thoughtful the way you've responded that because it's real, you know, I've often, I've thought about this because you keep hearing, oh, you know, he's got the gift of the gab and all that. But I'm like, but that, you know, I love Jeffrey Gittemore. He says, I want to, I want to make a customer, I want to create a customer, not make a sale. Right, because the customer is yep. going to come back and buy from me, and making a sale serves just an immediate purpose, right? Right, and I love mm-hmm. that, and me that too. that con- you know continues to. Th- I always think about that, you know, like what am I doing today? If I'm short term, and I'm only focused on that sale, you know what? I'll get. I might get instant gratification, but there could be, you know, I could be challenged by my ethical dilemmas. I could might cut. Corners. I might not give them the best solution. I might, but I might get that transaction right. So it's it's mm-hmm. really interesting, and I think that, and 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 the, the great thing, one of the things that I've I've really um in, I love and I'm privileged because I get to train and, and engage with so many different salespeople. You get to see so many different types of personalities, types of social styles. You know, the introverts, mm-hmm. the extroverts, um, and it's the ones that you know. Like I was with one today, the highest performer, and she is not. An extrovert. She's actually, right. you know, she. You wouldn't look at her and go, "You." She's every month, one or two, every single month, consistently, consistent, because she just doesn't exhibit the the traditional characteristics of a high performance sales professional, right? So, thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that with us. Now, the other, I know this will this will, uh, but is sales a science or an art? Well, it's both. And do you mind sharing? Can you expand on that? I can. Um, it's an art because you get to do it the way that you want to do it. It's a science because there are things like we've discussed already that yep. need to happen. They've got to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, there's, there's, it's very binary as to whether or not these things along the process have happened or not. That's the science part. Yeah. But you get to make those things happen any way you want. That's the art part. Yeah, fantastic. And Jeff, the biggest influence in your career and why? I don't have a single biggest influence. There are five huge influences on me. Yep. Jeffrey Gittimer was probably the first one. Yep. My mentor, who I refuse to name out loud on the air (laughs) until he comes on my podcast, (laughs) uh, who's number two. Anthony Inarino has been oh. a big influence on me because I love the way he thinks about Absolutely. things. Um, Mike Weinberg has been a huge influence on me, particularly more recently as I've gotten to know him, but because he is the reminder to me, the most vocal reminder to me that the basics are right there. They work. You need to execute on them. Yeah, I, yep. And um, my wife is actually an enormous influence on me because she has always taught me um, and this is an oversimplification and I, I, I'm doing her a disservice by this, but she has shown me over and over that there is what you say and there is what people hear and there is sometimes a difference. Ah, but that's gold. You know what? That is gold. And I, what you say and what people hear can be different. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that, Jeff. So, um, you know, that's fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, Jeff, I've, I've come to the, you know, to the end of my sort of, uh, where I wanted to go and, 
Um, mate, we could we could do this again because we didn't yes. even we didn't even get into what we were what we were planning on discussing, but it's kind of morphed <laughs> into the you know the principles. And I've got the title, you know, I think the title that the principles of of you know the sales professional. Um, but mate, apart from I'm going to put it in the show notes, but please share with us where our listeners can engage with you, find you, podcast, um, LinkedIn, etc. Um, I'm at Jeff Bajoric just about everywhere you look. Yep. Um, if you Google Jeff Bajoric, just Google my name, you'll find me. Yeah. Um, I own the first page and a half, right? There's <laughs> there's another Jeff Bajoric out there, but no, there's a lot of me out there. So you can find me there. Um, JeffBajoric.com is my yep. website and that's where you can find everything you need to find. The why and the buy, yep. um, all spelled out. The why and the buy.com is the website. Uh, for our podcast. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're working on Spotify right now. We're not there yet. We may be by the time this airs, but um, fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, you can you can find us. Well, it's a great podcast. And for those of you that haven't, haven't listened to it, um, your co-host, her laugh is absolutely contagious. So they'll, 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 <laughs> they'll <laughs> yes, get onto it. it. You're not the only one who said it. Yeah. <laughs> well, mate, I've had a, I've had a ball, Jeff. Um, I want to, you know, personally, uh, you know, meeting you in Atlanta was awesome. But you know, and actually meeting the person behind the voice that I've had the privilege and the opportunity to learn so much from is great mate so i value you i value the content that you've put out there and the fact that what you're doing is helping you know people like me and thousands of professionals sales professionals globally get better at what they do so i really appreciate you man and thank you for coming on our show wow thank you i'm floating away from this conversation (laughs) because you said that thank you very much thanks man what did you take from that episode with Jeff. What I took away was that, yeah, we're different people. My energy levels, his energy levels are completely different. That Jeff recognizes that he's not an ultra risk taker, that he needed and he does take calculated risks. What I loved about talking to Jeff was that he recognized the need to invest in self, the need to self-develop, the need to get better at his craft so that he can provide the best to his customers. So my challenge to you this week is, what are you doing to be the best person you can be? What investment are you making so that you can develop your skills to be the best sales professional you can be?